to the Cultured Guitarist. I am your host, Al, man with many pals, Peterson. With me, as ever, is one of my many pals, Casper. How you doing? I'm good, man. You got a look. What's the look? No, no look. No look? No look. What's been going on this week, man? Uh, you know, we're doing, uh... Doing a lot of rehearsing, putting together uh, you know, two hours set for some shows coming up. And yeah. 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 Are you doing that as a solo, as a no, duo? No, as a duet. Yeah. Duet with your partner. Do it with my friend Trisha and yeah. uh, writing or writing partner? Yeah, original writing, writing partner. Yeah, writing as well. We uh, we wrote a an original we're real proud of and and uh, you know, doing uh, doing some covers and, and send some send some originals and things I've written before and, and things that she's now, you know, Working with me on and make, making me sound so much better. Oh my god! <laughs> but yeah, that's oh, uh, that, that's what we got going on. And that was the usual artist. Like you're too hard on yourself. And yeah, and yeah. You, you were. Yeah, I think you're good sounding. You have great. You have a thing. Yeah, it's your thing, and it sounds good. Yeah, man. Thank you. How about you, what's going on for you? Um, I spent a lot of this week rewiring and uh, repatching my pedal board. Um, in part because. I just want to get a little bit better, like, workflow out of the surface. And mostly because the underside was really just a snake's nest of <laughs> cables OCD going. couldn't yeah. handle it. No, cables going <laughs> everywhere. And I wanted to I wanted to clean that up. So I, I got some little stick-on cable management hooks. And uh, I used Gorilla Glue. <laughs> Instead of, so they're not coming off. They're not coming off. No, I'll have to chip them off if I ever uh, want those off. Right. Um, and, but I didn't want to rely on the factory glue because the the factory glue, at least on the ones I acquired from Walmart, it's not robust stuff. It's um, kind of wimpy glue. So that uh, that they're took a there. lot more time than I expected. And they're on there now. And they're really on there now. Yeah. I mean, they're. I mean, you think about it. You want them on there securely. That's your. So that's the point. That's your power. That's that's your patching. That's yeah. So I did that. I took. Uh, I put on episodes of Brooklyn Nine Nine, and uh, as you do, spent hours watching Brooklyn Nine Nine and running cables. And then immediately upon finishing it, I got a package from mm. Shonswood Effects and had to undo a bunch undo of it. Undo a bunch of it and redo some of it, which <laughs> I was fine. super okay with. Yeah, totally yeah. thrilled to do. That thing's yeah. amazing. We'll talk about that uh, later in the episode. I like it. So, <clears throat> dear listeners, today we're going to cover, uh, well, where we came from. We're going to talk about our, our individual backgrounds because we have quite a different uh, approach to how we got where we are, how we got on this podcast, how we got uh, into music in general. And uh, we thought you'd probably like to know that. Um, but before we talk about that, I want to just remind everybody what The Culture Guitarist is. And it is a podcast, not so much about being snobby highbrow guitar players, as our name implies. But the kind of the joke behind the name is that we're not highbrow guitarists. No, we're the, we are the lesser. We're <laughs> the lesser brow. Yeah. Lo- low brow. That's the actual term, lowbrow. What did I say earlier? The leaster? Something. I don't know. It was a bad word. <laughs> it wasn't actually a word. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are the worst kinds of words. Yeah, right. Words. 
but th- this whole podcast is is to talk about all things guitar related, culturally speaking. I'm not talking very well. It's I'm, smooth. You're doing it's, well. It's smooth. Just keep going. So okay, plow <laughs> through it. Good radio. Um, yeah, just the general aspect of what guitar culture is. We're here to talk about collecting, modding, building, yeah. enjoying, playing, gigging, I'm, writing songs. I'm sure there are pl- just players out there. Just, just people that play. I'm sure there has to be. But, yeah. But that's not us. No, we do. No, we're, we're the we're the the deep dive. I think so. Find, you know, learn info, find find everything out about everything, and I and, hope so. Yeah, well, and we try. You know, I think I think we, we get lost. But I mean, so. I know guys who I I know I can think of one guy in particular, a guy I worked with at a music store. He had no, he did not want to play in a band. He did not like playing with other people or jamming. It wasn't his thing. He essentially just liked the guitar for the challenge of it. It's it's like it's we like, call those a woodshedder. Yeah, but he, he was like one of those dudes who would try and like memorize how to play and and pull off flawlessly like a dream theater album covered it like front to back not because he was ever going to share it but just because he was you know he just wanted the challenge yeah he wanted it so and that's that's a a whole other part of the culture right totally so we're here for all of that we're here for all that we're going to talk about stuff that we aren't interested in at all because somewhere out there there's a listener that is and we want to get into that yeah so and we want to hear from those listeners. Too. Yeah, we want to hear from those. Yeah, people. we want to hear from you guys. Let us know what we what you want to hear about, what you want to hear our take on, or uh, something that you think we would like, and you want to hear us explore. So, but onto the onto where we came from, onto our background a little bit. I think I'm going to kick tell this me, off. Yeah, yeah tell All me right. about tell me about Casper. Tell the listeners about yeah. Casper. So I started out, and I mean, I've always been into music. I mean, as most people are, you know, I spend a lot of time. You know, singing along to my Walkman, riding around town on my bike as a child. You know, that was my thing. And actually, I think <laughs> I think I'm thinking of it. I had a friend once that told me, "Don't don't sing." I've had those. Don't yeah. sing while you're listening to your headphones. That yeah. you sound horrible. <laughs> yeah. That stuck with me. Like <laughs> it very it very fresh in my mind. Yeah, singing along with Collective Soul, and all of a sudden, uh, Al, don't do that. Uh, yeah, whole car here, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you suck. Yeah, yeah. no, I, that I, that was one moment for me. But I mean. I was always into music, and I'm the only musical member of my family. Um, I don't have a, a, a big reach of, of musical people that I that I was inspired by, or that I that I learned from, or anything like that. I mean, there was a guitar in my house as a child, and I'm pretty sure it had the same guitars on it, or the same strings on it. Sorry, um, f- from the very moment I laid eyes on it until I changed the strings on it when I was thirty. You know. <laughs> It just was around, but nobody ever played it. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I, I started. There's out, a whole podcast episode right there. The mystery of where it came from, why mm-hmm. it was there. I know exactly where it came from and why it was there. No, but that's not anyways, really. It was, it's one of those cool Japanese-made acoustics. You know, we'll get into it later. Um. <clears throat> anyways, uh, yeah. So growing up and then into my my early, you know, preteen kind of years, I uh, I actually was in. Uh, was in a, a bagpipe group in in, in uh, Canadian in Canada. Here we have our Air Cadets, and I was a part of that for for a lot of years. And and I, you were in a pipe band. I was in a pipe band, and I played the bagpipes for about four years. And man, every time I hear the pipes, I just melt. You know, and that's most people are gonna think I'm nuts. Like it sounds like skin in the cat, but not to me. 
you know, and not to a lot of people. But. I think played well. Uh, people appreciate an instrument that's played well. Yeah. Uh, when you, but I think bagpipes is an instrument where when it's not played well, it is intolerable. It it does show. Whereas yep. guitar is very exceptional that way. If it's not played well, it's kind of like that's eh, bad guitar. Like it's a little more like <laughs> it doesn't actually rolls you off your back. Want to remove your ears? <laughs> no. So that's kind of where like musically, that's where I got my really big. Um, my first big drive and influence into into playing music was okay. was through was through the pipe band and started out playing the drums. You know, I was I was that twelve year old kid that had the sixty pound bass drum attached to his <laughs> chest, and you know nobody could see the guy in my head, uh, but they could see the drum walking down the hall. You were the that, walking boom. Uh, that's me. That was me. And then uh, I quickly fell in love with the bagpipe. So so let's let's fast forward a little bit. Yeah. You, I think, because I think you have an unusual start. And guitar compared to most, oh, most yeah. people. Yeah, I mean, really, man, we can fast forward from bagpipes almost right to guitar. I yeah? Mean, I I fell off the musical radar for a long time. I mean, okay. I, so, like, teen years to... Yep. Teen years in high school band, and then, and then yeah, tw- uh, yeah, 29, almost 30. Okay. Yeah, and, and wow. it was always that thing. I mean, like I say, there was always guitar in the house, and I always thought, yeah, I want to play it. And every time I picked it up, it just hurt so bad. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to play this stupid thing. <laughs> you know, that was that was it. And it wasn't until I was 30 and I was in a in a big box store that had guitars. And I was like, you know, I can actually do this now. Like, I've always wanted to. Like, I've known so many of my friends that play. I'm just, huh. I'm going to do it. And Okay, so you started 30. Yep. Take me from there. Where did you go? Um, yeah, so I mean, through my the the they call it the most formative years or months of playing guitar was yeah. was a struggle, man. You know, and you get up into you know I can play my first four chord song and you know within the first maybe the first year. Yeah, but I mean, I got a different scenario too because I mean I'm also a single parent and and you know I got I got lots of, I got three kids and yeah. you know so my time is limited. So um, I think. Uh, you know, I p- spent every waking moment I could playing guitar. And that's yeah. just what I did. And and how old are you now? I'm 36. 36. Just turned 36 in June. Yeah. I've got uh, you know some commercial releases now, and you know, you know some done some recording and so I played some play shows. That's a really neat. I think that's neat. It's it's a it's a sharp arc, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know the uh, the curve there was was not slow and gradual <laughs> like most people, like probably yourself too. You know, you started young. Yeah, playing guitar. But you have I so I want to I want to add something to your background if I can. Uh, sure, I'm, I I'm, miss, missing, I'm, missing I'm missing something. You're missing some stuff. You, unlike most people, so you you've really been into guitar and and this whole world for only six or seven years. Yeah, yeah. Limited amount of time. In that amount of time, you've gone from not playing at all to recording and releasing much material. Mm. You've ordered. A custom guitar from a world-class luthier. Mm-hmm. You've bought a second custom guitar from that same world-class luthier. I sure did. <laughs> you now have a collection of electrics blossoming in your house, mm. which has all been very much within the last eight months. Yeah, the last they had the year, you, the last year. You know, you had an electric before that. You never touched it. No, never touched it. Never now you it. have a vintage '60s electric. You have a Gretsch hollow body. You've got. Actually, that vintage that vintage electric is featured uh, pretty heavily in our intro too. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, the lead. It is the lead in our intro. intro. Yeah. Um, you've got a strat. You know, you've you you've yeah. got all of a sudden like your journey started late, but when you start, and I I felt it was a very narrow it. it was a very narrow minded start too. 
Um, I mean, I did have, yes, I had the, I had the Epiphone Les Paul special as my first electric. I had that. And I had, you know, sorry to segue into the next portion here. Well, but we'll yeah, we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah. Later. You Talk know, I had more. those pieces. And Talk then, to me about this narrow-minded thing. What does that well, mean? Well, it was a narrow-minded start. I was very acoustic-driven, you know. Mm. Um, I, I only really owned one, my first guitar, uh, before I got, before I ordered my custom, you know. And Which is crazy. It's That's nuts. Crazy. It's absolutely nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back, I'm going, I was ridiculously, yeah. like, oh, yeah. Because as a, as a guitarist, like, uh, I mean, I've said it, um, the the type of custom guitar I would order for myself now is not the same. It's real different than what I would have ordered for myself when I first started. Um, so it's almost a little insane that you went that route, but yep. it's it's kind of neat. And, and maybe one of the benefits of the fact that you started so... Right, and you know, we've we've quote spoke, unquote late in life. Yeah, you know, it was uh, it was. Um, I, I'm a grown up now, and uh, and well. <laughs> but I like to uh, I like to find out what I like, long before I spend money on it, you know, and it <laughs> right. and, and 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 you know, so I instead of buying something, spending money, and then finding out I don't like it, I want I now, <laughs> I now. Do a lot of research, do a lot of thinking, and a yeah. lot of searching as yeah. to what it is I like, and then I'll spend money on it. And it was just, it just so happened that um, the acoustic guitars that I like to play that are built by a world-class luthier just so happened to live in the same town as me, <laughs> and in the same town of uh, with a population of under 7,000 people. So this is a very small community uh, whom I had no idea Trevor Crombauer existed until... Yeah. Uh, um, until somebody uh, mentioned and we mentioned it. last episode like one of the benefits I think you've had is because you started late and because you have that very you know grown up adult approach to uh, the acquisition of the gear you're you're using yep you avoided a lot of the pitfalls that I got entrapped in exactly um, in my late teens and 20s where it'd be like I want a new pickup in my guitar I don't know what I like I'll just buy this one Oh, well, it turns I out don't I'll, like that one. Don't like that one. Right. I'll buy this other one. You know, and I bought a lot of stuff. Yeah. And and I mean, to some, especially when it comes to something like pickups, that might have been a bad example because you don't know exactly how much you're gonna like a pickup until it's really in the guitar. You can kind of get it like a guesstimate, mm -hmm. a rough idea, but until you slap it in, in the guitar and wire it all up, play it, you don't know. Um, but. Pedals and stuff. I didn't really explore pedals. I just bought them, right? <laughs> played them. So, I I think uh, we have a far different approach to to the acquisition of gear and uh, the your immediate response to said gear. You know, yeah. you just you've got a lot more experience than me. Um, right. And that being said, so I mean, when I'm buying um, effects pedals and things, you know. It's yeah. you know these things are on my board. They're only going to be there for a long time until I decide whether or not I like them. And man, like I said, I I don't sell stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, so that's been kind of recent. You've really dove into yeah. the electric guitar. The electric world, world is all new. And now we're diving into the podcast yeah. world. And yeah, there's a whole other. That's the. It's a, it's a world I feel like I was cheaping. I was robbing <laughs> myself from. Yeah, uh, and, think, and it was just so. it was. It was, you know, be, uh, our, our friendship that really was like, you know, maybe I'm being narrow-minded here. <laughs> you know, maybe I should, oh, I like, I do like this, <laughs> yeah. you know. Well, and, it, you know, maybe it's a curse as well because now you're running not just down the acoustic rabbit hole, but you're running down the electric guitar rabbit hole and the effects pedals rabbit hole. And, and the amp of that <laughs> rabbit hole. Yeah, it's it's a whole new game. Um, well, I, I had a bit of a different uh, 
yeah, let's, background. Let's for, let's hear where you started out. So Al's background, um, just so you guys can get familiar with me, I started playing guitar when I was 17, 16. I don't entirely remember anymore. I was a teenager. I started in high school. And the reason I started was because I wanted to be in a band. I've always wanted to do music. I was an annoying kid on road trips who would sing and make up my own songs and just annoy the heck out of everybody around me. And like you mentioned, I was definitely the kid who sang with headphones on and people, yeah, uh, if you don't mind not singing to whatever music you're listening to that the rest of us aren't hearing. Um, the number of times I heard, <laughs> hey, who sings that song? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I've done that too. <laughs> yeah, you so. have. Who sings that song? Yeah, we should keep it that way. Yeah, we should let them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a funny thing to do. Yeah. Um, so I started as a, as a teenager and, and I started because I wanted to be in a band and, uh, I thought I, I, I wanted to learn to play guitar. Uh, and so my friends and I started a band before I even owned a guitar and knew how to play it. And I was supposed to be the singer or something. I'm not really sure how that worked out. The band changed members within about three weeks. And <laughs> in that first three weeks, I had gotten my first guitar and learned to start playing guitar while learning how to play with other people. I have almost always been in bands since. There was a brief period uh, when I moved out of my parents' house after graduating high school. I moved to Utah. I didn't play music for a while. I lived in Calgary. Uh, I didn't play music for a while. It was a few years, maybe uh, two or three. And then uh, I got back into playing in bands again when I moved back to my hometown. Um, and I have never not played music since then. Uh, most and, and, and never again. Stop. No, no. You know, because that was, so that was my first bout with like depression. Yeah. Um, was I didn't realize that I was, because when you're a late teenager, 20 year old, you don't understand what the heck depression is and stuff. I didn't realize how depressed I was. I didn't realize what a healthy benefit music was for me and and how much it affected my ability to fight depression. So mm-hmm. I, I will never, I'll die playing music. That's, this is, this is the rest of my life. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, I, I, I went back to my hometown. I started playing in bands. They were mostly uh, of the hard rock variety. Um, of course, we well, we wanted to try and make it. We didn't know how to make it. <laughs> uh, got married. Chilled out a little bit on the bands and the trying to make it. Did the buy a house, uh, start a try and start a family thing. Got divorced. Sold the house. Bought some uh, more guitar toys. <laughs> um, as you do. That was kind of my 20s. I It was in my 20s. Uh, we talked about this. Uh, it was the first or second episode. I don't remember which of the two. But we talked about uh, how I had acquired quite a large guitar collection for uh, for not being the edge. Um, <laughs> I had a collection of uh, about 50, in- almost 50 instruments. Um, well, it was probably over 50 if you counted all, all my instruments. I had, <laughs> had a couple of keyboards and stuff, but... I had almost 50 guitars. And uh, after I got divorced, um, I got rid of almost everything. I, I whittled the collection down to the handful, almost immediately, just the handful I have now. I had a few more than I have nowadays. Um, but 
when I, and this was uh, when I was 30, so uh, seven, almost eight years ago. Man, you're old. I'm old. I'm turning 38 this year. I'm an old man. <laughs> oh. Can't even imagine what it'd be like to be 38. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you'll never know. <laughs> One of your kids will uh, murder you and take your throne before. Yeah, uh, you think? I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know how to parent. Um, <laughs> nope, nobody does. Yeah, I, that's that's just, the secret. <laughs> are they alive? I'm parenting. Hooray! Uh, so yeah, I, I I got divorced. Uh, my my life circumstances really changed, and I kind of reevaluated like, what am I doing? What do I want to be doing? And I wanted to be playing music that I learned from my previous bout with depression and not playing music, how much it meant to me. So I wanted to get more into that. So I focused on that. And uh, I wound up being in a reggae band. That reggae band really took off. Mm. Um, and uh, so I had to kind of uh, put the hardcore band I'd been playing in for about seven, eight years. I uh, kind of had to put it to bed um, because the reggae band started touring pretty heavily and and stuff so i was uh i was from the prairies of canada <laughs> in a hot and highly successful reggae band um doing cross-country tours and uh did some australian work did uh, a little bit of stuff in the caribbean um, i think that's the validating point for that success is that you toured the caribbean in a reggae band a bunch of like central canadian white dudes <laughs> doing <laughs> reggae and doing it well enough that the people of yeah the caribbean yeah i mean know, our, our singer was was raised in trinidad and tobago um so we had you know it wasn't like we completely it wasn't just you know four prairie boys born and raised hmm. uh or something like that there there was some authenticity in that way but uh you know, we were all white. We, <laughs> he's, he's, he's white as well. And, and it was, uh, but it was, it was interesting to, to get to go down there and, and be like, well, this is a very different culture. They really, they really show their appreciation for music or lack thereof very obviously. Um, yeah. like he had said, like, if they don't like it, like there's an equal chance they might throw beer bottles at us or something. <laughs> yeah. This is a definite recourse. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're no, going to know it if they, they don't They like liked it. us. They, we had we had a great time partying down there. Um, uh, I, I was really fortunate to be... I'm really lucky. I, I got really lucky. I got to do music full-time. I've been doing music full-time ever since. It's been uh, the only, only career I've had. And, uh, you know, in that time I released several albums with them i've uh since switched to being a solo artist uh and i've got a couple of albums recorded and ready to release uh with that as well <laughs> a live album and a studio album um and yeah i'm just focusing on that and i'm starting uh we're doing this podcast yeah this is a new venture so that's where i'm at in my late 30s i've been a successful reggae and touring musician and solo artist yeah that's the background. I don't, I don't. I don't know if that was very succinct or if it was rambly or not. But that's. Um, that's there it. you go. That's a little bit about us. Um, so. We touched on this already. First guitars. Everybody's got a first. If you're into guitar at all, there was that first guitar. Um, whether you're a professional, whether you're a collector, whether you're. Just it doesn't a, matter who you are. Everybody had a first one. Yeah, everybody got a first guitar. What was your first? 
Um, so the first, well, let's let's talk about your first couple, I guess. Because uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go into the the first guitar I ever played, and was starting to learn on. Um, that was actually it wasn't my guitar at all, but that was that guitar that was in the house as a kid, and that was the it was a, a Japanese red label Yamaha FG seventy five. Uh, abused and beaten a little bit yeah (laughs) as they all are a little bit but it was still in really good shape because it really literally never got played you know it just sat around tucked in a corner you know it was dusty and the strings were brown when i got it so i restrung it uh, or i I tried to restring it properly uh i ended up winding (laughs) the hot the low e string backwards (laughs) as you do (laughs) you know but that was that was the first guitar i ever like i'm going to make an effort to learn guitar at 29. This yeah. is what I want to do. Okay. And then... Um, hand-me-down FG-75. Hand-me-down FG-75. Belonged to my my dad uh, and uh, before him to his mom. And she bought it new in 1972. Okay. So long history in our family of this guitar that nobody ever played. But it, it was around for a long time. It was time. around. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, as I'm trying to learn this guitar... And, and, you know, cutting my teeth on it, so to speak, uh, a, a girlfriend at the time bought me uh, a guitar from, you know, the big box store, looking at the, the big black dreadnought in there one day, going, oh, I just I like that. I want it. And uh, she, she bought it for me uh, as a Christmas gift for in 2012. All right. No. And, uh, yeah, 2012. F- Fender. Right? Fender, yep. Fender CD60. N- no cutaway, no electronics, okay. nothing, just a... This first bones. electric was uh, Epiphone oh, oh. Uh, Les Paul Special Two. I thought yep. it was something else, but yeah. No, yeah. I got it used as a, as a, whatever. I think I, I think I might have paid a hundred bucks for it and the amp that it came with. You know, uh, as you do, but you used gear, not super high quality. <laughs> uh, I think there was even a pickup that didn't work. I'm not even sure. Now let's fast forward a, yeah. a year let's get let's get interesting <laughs> here okay so this is where things got weird is is when i was learning guitar and and you know say so the fall of 2013 um, i can now play four chord songs i am I, I can't sing at the same time mind you because i'm just not there yet um, but i have this i have this mentality all the time with everything going if i'm going to do it I want to do it well, and I don't want the, the the equipment or the tools or the things that I'm using to accomplish these goals to be what holds me back. Not that my CD60 really held me back. It was definitely oh. a great a great little. I mean, I think somebody once described it as the laminate woods could you could use it as a boat paddle, and it would not harm it, and you could just keep playing it after it was it was <laughs> that it was a solid guitar though even 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 the guy you know. Trevor that built my custom guitar said he's like this is a solid little guitar so that was a that was a good thing it was a good guitar for me to start with um but I I had met Trevor in you know through another musician that I knew had mentioned that he was that he existed and I was like what I gotta go meet this guy I gotta go find out what he's doing and back then I you know pulled up to the shop and was like hmm this little like literally like a little house pinned like old probably as old but it was like pinned between two buildings that were like a concrete new construction building it was like a little two-foot walk path between it's like it's out of place in this alleyway and i went in and met trevor and and you know just started to i i think i i originally wanted to really 
you know, begin fostering a friendship with Trevor because I felt like his instruments were just out of my range or out of my league and I couldn't, I couldn't afford them. Um, and then having met Trevor, you know, a few times, talked with him about some ideas about the, the guitar that I wanted to have made. We just, just jive. He's just such a, a great human. Um, we worked out a plan as to how I was going to pay for this guitar that I was going to order. And, and, uh, so I put a deposit down. It was a, a modest deposit, but he, you know, was gracious and accepted. And, and that's when the construction began. That was yours. And I, I would call that, um, cause I think everybody has a couple of firsts. Mm. Uh, we have our first guitar we learn on. Mm-hmm. We have our first, like, the ones we think of as our first guitars. Because there's a couple in my mind. There's, like, my technical first one, the very first guitar I ever had. And, right. And then I also think of, like, an electric that I consider, like, one of my first guitars or the first, you know, things like that. Yeah. And then there's, like, the first real guitar. And that like was the my... the first high-end... That was my first yeah. real guitar. Um, and, yeah... Uh, as a player in that that fledgling learning stage that I was in, having this masterwork, hand built instrument, yeah. like world class instrument, uh, I mean, I've only been playing guitar for six years, literally only which, for six years. And which we were talking about before the podcast. That's an it's an interesting thing to be getting a custom guitar. When you really don't know where you're going to be as a guitarist, yeah, and we've had this conversation the in yeah. the past too, and it, and it, uh, it was definitely an instrument I had to grow into, and I'm still growing into actually, even to this day. Yeah. But um, you know, it definitely was more inspiring to play because it sounded so amazing. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, those it just just drags you into it even and farther. And there's no, <clears throat> you know, there's no like I I one of the pitfalls I fell into in my late teens, and and starting out my guitar journey i was buying a, i bought a few guitars just because they looked cool you know i i have always been somebody who likes going to pawn shops mm-hmm. and looking at the weird and quirky guitars in there and it used to be a lot of fun and especially in the, uh, to talk about how old i am again in the 90s and or in early 2000s it was a lot of fun going to pawn shops because a lot of times they had no clue what a thing was so they just kind of yeah make up a price they thought was fair for it and sometimes you'd get a smoking deal and sometimes they would price uh an epiphone sg for a thousand dollars and it wasn't a great deal yeah you know but that was a lot of you know that was where i got a lot of my first guitars and some of them sucked and were really hard mm-hmm. to play and you know i was buying guitars that looked cool but i couldn't really grow with them as a player because they sucked yeah uh, and that's you know what i these aren't the only guitars i've ever had either you know the, yeah the, the few we've just mentioned i mean i've had it was a time when i had uh almost i think i had over over 20 instruments but it was it, it the, the, having that masterwork yeah. guitar and now i've got a couple of them and uh and which is crazy yeah crazy. well you know circumstances crazy cool. it's very cool, cool yeah. very cool and and i mean i know you yeah. you probably wouldn't be uh, where you are in your instrument acquiring journey had it not been for the guitar you're playing right now. And I think that's a great segue to let's move into Al's first. <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you got? What was your first and I know you talk about your your technically your first guitar, yeah. but let's let's go into your well, kind of, first I'll, guitar I'll, a little I'll, and then I'll I really like the to know what I think the, you did. I the, my my technical first guitar yeah. was a Segovia acoustic. Um the brand on the headstock was Segovia. It, it was like Two hundred dollars, 
from the local music store. You got a, the guitar. You got a gig bag. You got a how to play guitar. A pack Ernie picks. Ball book. A pack of picks. Some a strap. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The kit. <laughs> the, the the kit. Yeah. Uh, I think I had a little cheapo. Oh no, I didn't get a tuner. I didn't own a tuner. Tuners were. Even a really basic tuner back then was like a $40, $50 thing. I didn't get a tuner. Um, I had to get uh, people who knew how to tune a guitar or friends with tuners to, like yeah, <laughs> to yeah. tune my guitar for me. And then tried to play it gently. That didn't go to tune. Um, and then uh, I bought my first electric was uh, what I now know is actually a really desirable guitar, but I thought it was crap back then. Uh, a Fender Japanese-made Squire series. Uh Stratocaster. And I wish I still had it. I really mm. yeah. Um and then I also had this like horrible SG copy <laughs> that looked kind of vaguely SG ish and also was <laughs> kind of cast the same shadow. Yeah, it was kind of garbage. <laughs> uh it was red. <laughs> and that's where the similarities ended, mostly. You know, it had all the right silhouettes and that kind of thing, but it was kind of a junk guitar. Um, and, uh, one of the, one of the important firsts for me was I bought an, an Epiphone one, <laughs> Epiphone G400 SG, which I still have and still love and named it Rivers hmm. after the lead singer of Weezer. Cause I was a dork. Um, was. am. Thank you. Hard, sir. Yeah. Thank you for <laughs> pointing that out, sir. Yep. You're good. You're good. But my first, <laughs> I, just, I, just, I wouldn't want you, you know, to. You no, anything. you wouldn't yeah. want me to retain some dignity. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. My first real guitar was, uh, it's on a tripod over there in front of us that uh, our listeners can't see, but I can look at it lovingly. Uh, I bought a 2003 Gibson SG Standard. I, I consider that the first pro-level guitar I owned. Which you were wearing as a necklace in our first podcast. I was. I had it on the entire time. I was uh, holding it and not playing it, so it didn't get in the background, but... Uh, <laughs> I was holding it, um, and I and I bought that guitar. And financially speaking, it was not the wisest choice I made of that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went into the shop. I was looking at either uh, I was going to either buy a Les Paul Standard Double Cut, which is a model that I still like that they make off and on throughout the years. I think right now they don't make one. Uh, or there was a used. Um, 1971 Fender Stratocaster hanging on the wall. Mm. And uh, I went in the shop to buy either that uh, Les Paul Standard Double Cut or to buy the 71 Strat. And uh, this SG was hanging on the wall. And it's uh, my SG is a, they call it a natural burst finish SG. And, uh, and up to this point, I'd only ever seen red and black. Mm. And uh, I liked red and black, but seeing a natural burst was just gorgeous to me. And I spent about four hours playing these three guitars, and the and I thought the SG was the best. And I asked the, a good friend of mine who worked there if he agreed, and he said, yeah, I've played these all lots too. I think it's the best one there. So I bought it. I've had it ever since. Um, financially speaking, the guitar to buy was definitely the 71 Strat. Because it was on the wall for $1,100. Ouch. <sighs> Which, uh, now you could probably turn around and sell that for somewhere in the neighborhood of the high 4000 
5,000 Canadian ish. I don't know what the exact price would be, but uh, somebody listening to this can Criminal. check and let me know. Uh, it would be a lot more than uh, what a 2003 SG standard is worth currently, which is not. Well, actually, it's probably about $1,100. It might be about around $1,100 Canadian. Uh, <laughs> well, it's it's a rare color, so yeah, it's, yeah. you know, kick it a little bit, but yeah, that was um, that was my first real guitar. What was your first show? Oh, my first show. Yeah. So the first show I ever played was at a little cafe in my hometown called the Wild Oak, and it was an open mic. Um, I'd known about the open mic going on once a month at the Wild Oak for a while um, and was so reluctant to take that leap um, and, you know, go play some songs live. Um, but that was that was where I did went and I did three, I did three songs, uh, three cover songs. <laughs> and uh, the first one I actually, uh, I, I bombed out of in the middle of <laughs> and I had to like, okay, everybody, this is the first time I've ever played live. The whole place, I mean, there was a lot of people in there. There was, there had to, for the size of the place, there was probably 40 or 50 people. It was, it was packed. Um, and everybody just kind of launched into mass applause and cheering and screaming. And that, oh, like, that turned so the whole, the whole experience around that's, for me, that's uh, awesome. you know, for, from like my leg was shaking so bad. My, you know, it was just a, that was a mess. <laughs> and then everybody, you know, like I say, brought the whole, the whole room was like, Oh, I remember my first time and everybody was cheering me on. So I just <laughs> picked up where I left off, carried on, did, did two more after that. Um, you know, I did some, you know, a quirky, dance song cover acoustically and it was it went really good everybody loved it and that's all. and that was the my my inaugural delving into live performing and uh i've had similarly successful so what shows. about your first professional show what was the first like you know what funnily enough uh it was the same place same place <laughs> same place uh did lots of uh, like other shows open mics and and things around the valley where we live um but my first actual paid show was at the Wild Oak uh, under different owners. But uh, it was actually uh, a mutual acquaintance now that a friend of yours reached out while you ran into him out on the road. Uh, uh, Porter. Oh, yeah, Porter. Yeah, he um, – well, he was – yeah, we uh, Porter and I have known each other for, well, well over a decade. Yeah, he's a he's an Alberta boy. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, he was doing a tour, and I was out on the tour. I was elsewhere. And he was hoping uh, I could do a show with him, and I couldn't. And uh, that's you name dropped me and a couple other people, and he reached out to me. Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, man, let's do it." So that was my that was my my first. I got fifty percent of the door. Huzzah! Well, huzzah! <laughs> you know, it was uh, cocaine and and, <laughs> no. and limousines for everyone. <laughs> exactly. No, it was uh, it was good, man. It was a great feeling to be. To be, you know, to I went and played an hour. It was a great, it was a great experience. It was a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome! Yep. I didn't know that was your first like first professional. Ever. Oh, well, that's I feel honored that I was a part of that. Yeah, man. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was great. Porter's a great guy. I, you know, yeah. And he's a he's the a, a vagabond type fella. He he's is all yeah. over the world. He does not like staying put <laughs> in Canada, and that's fine. I understand. Or, in, or so much in Ireland, or no, he, he likes. He, he's all over. He the wanted place. to see the world. He's seeing the world. Yeah, man. Um, my first show was, oh, this is a bit embarrassing, but I was in a ska punk band in high school and our first show was a pep rally slash assembly. Ooh. 
We got to play one song on the stage in the gym in front of the whole school. The PA failed. Nice. And so we had no vocals. <laughs> so we just had to had to sing louder. We attempted <laughs> to run the microphone. You know how like I don't know if this is still a thing at schools, but the when I was going to school, like every every school year went to had like a a microphone input on the front of the stage. Okay. Just like in the floor or something, <laughs> and it ran through the PA in the room. So that's what we tried to run the vocal through was like the little like crappy speakers that did announcements in the gymnasium mm-hmm. that, you know, were meant for like a, you know, just a trucker style mic from the receptionist at the front. <laughs> just like, would uh, Daryl Tuckerson come to the office, please? Please come to the office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that mic. We tried to run the vocals through that. And of course, you have a ska punk band with half stacks and, and stuff that we didn't know. And we borrowed all this stuff from like our older friends brothers or something like that probably look um, legit we look cool as heck <laughs> i borrowed a uh it's supposed to be natural karina but it just looked like lemon yellow uh epiphone explorer because uh, no doubt was life <laughs> um <laughs> i borrowed this guitar special for the gig because remember that strat i had was junk can't be playing that um <laughs> <laughs> so we, that was my first gig it was a one song pep rally no one could hear the vocals and uh we they, all wore like the, the stereotypical ska punk sure. suits and i'm uh, i'm thrilled that you guys like put together half stacks for one song <laughs> dude we were in that gym we all of us skipped classes all morning yeah yeah just to like we were in the gym for our five minute tops song yeah. which i'm sure was probably more like three minutes because ska punk we were in the gym for four hours just <laughs> setting up moving stuff like an inch yeah moving it back sound check Does my skinny tie look good <laughs> it was just like we That's just fantastic. did a day of it. i'm sure our teachers knew exactly where we were and we're just like just let them have their stupid moment it's, this is like they're peaking right now it's they're peaking in high school yeah let them have their moment um that was my very first live performance yeah and it went horribly <laughs> and no one clapped they couldn't have given like yeah it was just like uh well that was loud and a thing and now on to some announcements about the football team <laughs> yay <laughs> I don't, it's funny. It was an era where, like, there was still that John Hughes high school view where it was like, mm. well, they're, they're the punks and the band guys. Yeah. And the jocks and the st- We can't be friends. Like, there was still a little bit of that stink going on. Yep. So it was really like, why are they at our pep rally? <laughs> <laughs> Disaster show. Fantastic. What about your first pro show? What was the first thing you got paid for? Um... I don't, I don't know where to draw that line, because all of my shows, pretty much up until my mid twenties, um, were th- like I organized almost all my own shows. Like uh, our, I came up in a music scene where there had been, uh, a couple of bands like two. They were always two years older than us. All these dudes in this thriving punk scene, and one of the really awesome things they did was they would or they would hope go to a venue they would go to uh like the you know a, a, a rotary 
lodge or something like that, put on a show, and then trash all the chairs and all the, you know. So pretty much Ruining every. It for everyone else. Yeah, pretty much every public venue in town was like, uh, no, no more high school bands. Thanks. See you later. Come back when you have a credit card to put a $10,000 deposit on the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, we had to foster and find new places to play. That was kind of what I came up in was there was nowhere to play for all ages kids. Uh, or underage kids, sorry. All, all ages shows were not a thing. We had to make venues. Right. Um, so that was, I don't know if those count. Do those count as professional shows? Did you get paid for them? Um, Did you sell tickets? We, we charged at the door. A lot of the ways we would start a venue or start a new place off to accepting shows was we would donate say, the, we would donate the, the money door, to, yeah. to the Red Cross or something like that. Um, so we didn't really make money on okay. a lot of the first ones, but uh, yeah, eventually we did make a little. Um, but I think up until my mid... Let, let's, let's define it then as uh, the shows that people had to pay to get into. Um, uh, probably around the same age, 17, 18. Wow. Yeah, uh, they were there was those charity charity yeah, yeah. shows. First, like I got paid shows were a little bit later in my early and mid twenties. Uh, sometime I don't remember the exact one, but uh, around that time I was in a hardcore band and we started playing at local bars, and then I at the same time was also playing in a co- top forty cover band. I was a bassist, and uh, so that band got paid pretty good. I bet. But I hated myself, mm. so well, there's a little bit of that. Uh, that's just me, by the way, uh, um, dear, lovely listeners. If you're happy to play in cover bands or, or jam, that's cool. Do it. That's, just do it. In fact, if you're happy doing that, especially if you're happy doing like top 40 country rock stuff. Better man than me. You can make a good living. Oh, yeah. And uh, I applaud you. I did not want, I've always wanted to be an original creator creator yep. and so i i really disliked being in a top 40 cover i, I, I found it quite uh, constricting so uh, i didn't do it for, i think i did it for a year and a half or two years um at most uh, and then i was great experience though great experience yeah those are my first uh, professional gigs what was your first recording uh yeah my actually it's weird is the, the first like we're talking studio recording. Yeah. So the first studio recording I ever did was actually the first song I ever wrote. And it's uh, released on Spotify and Apple Music and all that. Um, so if you want uh, We're talking about our first things here, not selling your stupid... No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So we won't... No. We're not, no, no shameless, no, no. shameless plug Shamelessly aside. plug. You're, yeah. you're, you, you make that decision, not me. Yeah. So the... Yeah. It's called uh, Just Us Two. And that was a song that that I wrote um it was the first song I ever wrote it's a it was a two chord song kind of in a just in a strummy pattern it became much more in the studio that was the interesting part about the studio <laughs> yeah. uh was uh, just me and the guitar became a whole lot more um very very easily very quickly with a good producer like I had and and I you know I think I'm proud of both of those songs still to this day that I cool. that I recorded at that time yeah, but uh, yeah, that was the first one I ever did. Was the first song I ever wrote. I think that's really neat that your first, like, re- you know, um, your your first recordings were actually like you've released, like they're widely released and stuff. My first recordings, um, if you can find them, I'm gonna put this out there on record. 
the first person who is not one of my bandmates at the time. <laughs> the guy who recorded and engineered it and probably has a couple copies. Right. If you're not one of the those types of people, if you can find it, I will give you I'll give you a prize. I'll give you a pretty cool prize. You you let me know if you can find it. I'm not gonna tell you the name of the band. Nope. I'm not gonna tell you the name of the album. But I'm gonna say that it's out there. Wow. Yeah. So that's a that's gonna be a, a hard find. No <laughs> hints. Yeah. This uh <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe I'll give a couple of hints. It was the C D end of the C D era. Um, we didn't, it wasn't even quite the MySpace era. So, mm. you know, we, we made, we're talking like <laughs> 99, 2000, uh, later than that, early two thousands. Okay. Um, let's say MySpace was pretty big by like 2000, 2001. Okay. Well then, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> small community uh, Alberta Canada boys who didn't know MySpace existed era. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we 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 pressed CDs. Uh we got 500 made cuz that was the smallest amount we could order at that time. Now you can I think if you're making CDs you can be like 25 or 50 made. It's awesome. Yeah. But we had to order in either 500 or 1000. Those were the <laughs> the options. Um it is a full-length album. There's nine or ten songs on there. I don't remember if it's nine or ten. Uh, it was recorded, mastered, mixed, all by the same guy in his freshly done studio. He went out and bought a copy of Pro Tools, and it came with the little Pro Tools rack, and we did everything with that. He has actually got a full-blown. He does have a studio he does now. have a studio and stuff now. Yeah, at that time it was. That may be too much of a hint. A room and yeah. <laughs> now, at that time, it was a room and a trailer, and yeah, we. <laughs> so there's there's very few copies of this album out there. If you can find it, let me know. Reach out, let me know. I will award the DM. first person. DM us yeah. on Instagram or Facebook. I, yeah, I will. With I a will. photo of you with it. <laughs> Or proof that you found it uh, online in some fashion. Oh, it, um, it may exist online. It, I, I actually, uh, as we were talking about, it, I, I realized I do know a source online. You can find it online. So I'll award the prize to the first person dun, to find dun. it physically <laughs> or digitally. Yeah. First person to message us and and do that. I, I will. I, I don't know what the prize will be. I'll send you some stickers or I'll send you something. Um. Yeah. What. Well, so we <laughs> we're we're getting close for time here. Yeah. But um So there's a, a quick point there uh, you were making about how um the first song you ever, ever wrote or recorded is you know and widely releases all kind of the same thing. And I was just delving into some analytics here and the that song, that one song. I'm going to see if I can pull up that particular one. Are you going to humble brag? Yeah, I'm a humble brag. Okay. I'm, I'm proud of myself, dude. <laughs> You're allowed to, man. I just, so, uh, <laughs> just being a jerk. <laughs> so the the first song I ever released, uh, and I released it in 2017, it was the first song I ever recorded. It just it just broke over 54,000 streams. On that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, big, man. I got job. If everybody looks on my Instagram, is at Casper Towns, uh, Casper with a K. Um, you'll see I have a, a map that I pin 
the cities up on for all over the where all over the world where the song my songs have been listened to and 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 uh yeah you can have a look at it there and check it out if you want um shame there's another shameless plug for my personal instagram there you go <laughs> <laughs> i think i mentioned uh some of my stuff in one of the previous podcasts probably so you can ignore my yeah my shaming of you um so we're going to talk a little bit about first hurdles and, and where you're at now as a musician we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk about those fast because we are getting tight for time a little bit um so first hurdles what was some of the, was like the, give me one or two of the first challenges for you um you know the first real big that it really stands out for me the most is is being able to do more than play guitar and at the same time you know so being able to think about more than where my hands are and like you know the chord changes and those those right. early hurdles and, and i'm sure everybody experiences that being able to carry a thought and play guitar is difficult um i don't know if that's what you mean by well just first some hurdles the, like, the things the things that stick out in your memory as like the challenges that were the things that you found challenging when you first started playing guitar the, the things that were like the, the real challenge like well um, I, yeah like i jokingly said earlier like one of everybody's first major hurdles is playing an F bar chord. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's a thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was just overcoming the, you know, it's, it's just overcoming the, the pain because you have to. And I don't know, maybe, maybe other people don't experience it the same way, but I felt guitar was hard to learn, hard to play for any length of time. But I mean, I find myself now, like, you know, we were having a rehearsal, what was it, two nights ago, and it was like, oh, man, I've been at this for four hours. Like, no wonder my hand is aching, like, mm. you know. Uh, but that was a big one is the is the, the physical part of it and the mental uh, talking and carrying a thought and singing at the same time was, was probably one of my biggest ones. I, I shared that, the yeah. singing and, and playing at the same time. I was I was really great. Uh, I wasn't really great, but I was good as um, basically from the moment I started playing, I was fine if my – singing was on the same rhythm as my strumming yeah so if it was the sing if the vocals were keeping the same pace and sort of same pattern as the strumming i was fine if oh, i not, was not me if i was doing uh, <laughs> a strum pattern where the vocals were at a different timing or a different thing yeah, syncopated i could not do it yeah. i could not do it there's still some things i can't sing and play that way that's probably just a challenge that's ever evolving and uh, alternate picking. Mm. It probably took me, and I mean, I realize not everybody out there plays with a pick or, or at all. I don't. Um, but it probably took me five or six years at least uh, before I could really alternate pick with any amount of So from a, for a guy that doesn't play with a pick often, just <clears throat> describe that to me. Well, um, alternate picking is just a... Uh, uh, yeah, how do I describe this in an audio-only <laughs> format? Uh, basically, when you pick downwards on string, rather than uh, hitting, if you're if you're hitting multiple times in a row, rather than all downstroking, you're going down, up, down, up, down, up. Mm. And learning to do that, playing across the entire fretboard. Uh, I was fine strumming, that you know, just strumming whole chords. That was, mm -hmm. you know, I think everybody kind of gets pretty okay at that pretty quickly that's one of the earliest things skills yep individual note alternate picking especially when jumping strings not playing the str next string in line uh that took me a really long time mm. it was just not something i uh glommed onto easily um yeah 
and we're, we're we wanted to talk really quick. I, re, I, I want to get through it real quick just because there's something I want to spend some time on, mm-hmm. and I think you want to spend some time on too. Um, but where are you at now? What's your next? Uh, um, well, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, next, next on the docket really is uh, you know the duet that uh, that we're fostering now and putting together some putting together a show. Um, to, to kind of tour around a little bit locally, um, trying to do a, a cross Canada trip uh, on via rail next summer. Yeah. That'll be cool. Okay. Um, that's that's kind of it. We're working on the show, yeah. working on the the duet, writing some new material. Um, feeling inspired, doing yeah. that. Yeah. Have you? Um, I have two albums ready to release. Yeah. I need to just uh, they need the final mastering, and they're good to go. I need I'm that's my I really want to get those out. Because you've got another one kind of waiting in the wings that we're gonna. I got put a together, lot of right? uh, I got a lot of new material that I've written since then that I haven't even started to record. Um, so yeah, I want to get the live album released. I want to get this the first studio EP released, and I want to get back in the studio while that's happening to start working on other stuff and just be a little more regular with mm. my output there as you. an artist because I have been very inconsistent. As I've only released two songs in two years, that's really really low output. Me too. Um. Now, on to, I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, me too. So, I mentioned at the start of the podcast that uh, I'd been spending a lot of my time this week rewiring, doing cable management on my pedal board, and uh, immediately upon the completion of that task, I got a package in the mail from Kevin Schoen, Schoen's Wood Effects, who Mm. sent me one of his grub overdrives. Mm-hmm. It's so, so cool, good. you guys. Oh it's so gosh. good. It's so cool. So, Kevin Schoen, um, who we're going to try and get on the podcast. Yeah. Because we, he's just such a great guy. Uh, Kevin Schoen, for those of you who don't know Schoen's Wood Effects, which is probably a lot of you because he's uh, fairly new. At Schoen's Wood on yeah. socials. Uh, at Schoen's, yeah, I think it's just Schoen's Wood. You want to look it up? Yep. Um. Kevin Schoens makes all of his pedals in recycled skateboard decks. He his, he makes all of his enclosures out of that. He makes pedal boards out of uh, all out of skateboards. <laughs> and often his pedals come with a matching bottle opener made from the same deck as the enclosure of the pedal. At Schoens Wood. At Schoens Wood. Okay. Uh, Schoens Wood is spelled S H O N E S. W O O D, Shones Wood. Um, and he has two models. He's got a Grub Overdrive, and he has the Shralp Fuzz. I love that name. I'm not sure where that. I, really I don't want know where, to it, ask came him where it comes from. <laughs> it's, it's what? interesting. It's like what? <laughs> um, I love it. <laughs> two very 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 cool pedals and. Uh, the check out check out his Instagram check out some videos and, and the check out the sounds and and stuff going on. Use headphones; they're really cool sounding. Um, but he sent me a Grub Overdrive. It arrived yesterday, mm-hmm. the day before. No, uh, I got a very enthusiastic text yeah. yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I was so psyched to get this thing. So, as uh, as uh, mentioned on on before, and as will be mentioned again. I've been on a quest, um, lovely listeners. My quest has been to convert my touring pedal board from a hodgepodge of pedals from 
all over the place, which is fine. No, and some very nice things like oh yeah, you know, had some nice Strymon and, and yeah. Eventide and all those things. That's yeah. some good stuff. Mm-hmm. To all Canadian-made brands, and that's just a personal thing. It's not because I think you have to do that and represent the country of origin. It's just because it's. I just it was an idea that I thought was cool, and just the more I thought about it, the more I liked it, and so I've been pursuing that. And Kevin Schoen is Canadian. Saskatchewan. 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 <laughs> <laughs> From Regina, Saskatchewan. Now I almost said Saskatchewan. I know. Regina, Saskatchewan. He's uh he's he's located there. What's Saskatchewan from? Is that it's a mix of Saskatchewan Saskatchewan and Saskatoon. Is that an Adam Sandler movie? I don't Is know. Is that where that comes from? I have no idea. It's from somewhere. I yeah, didn't come up with it. Anyway. <laughs> um so Kevin Shones is living in the prairies. Um and making these beautiful, every single pedal he makes is a one-of-a-kind deal because he's using used skateboards. Yep. I think he's built one pedal with a new skateboard he specific, or he might have bought a couple of new skateboards to make a couple of unique pedals. But either way, one deck, one pedal is right. essentially what happens. And uh, each one has been 100% unique. And, uh, and artistically speaking. Yeah, no two know, the like, effects so. The effects built within these pedals are dynamite. Like they really yeah. are wonderful, and the, the sounds, a, the quality, th- yeah. oh, so good. I mean, there is a picture on our Instagram of me uh, noodling around with my '60s pan, uh, testing it out. You just arrived here this morning, and with it, it was just like, what? This it's, thing yeah. is so Super great. Good. Um, but the cool, and so that's an amazing part of this, the, of the what Kevin does. But the other part, and the, I think the really, really part that makes them so unique, is that each pedal is crafted and in a way that he's he's an artist. He's an artist and a craftsman, and a, and a you know, it's just the artwork that he creates out of these pedals is yeah, is so, so out of the. It can be it can be a little hard to to to, to see on his Instagram, yeah, because um, it's and it's really hard to take photos of how great these things are. Um, I was visiting with Ryan and Neil of Dr. Scientist Effects, and they, ha- uh, Ryan has uh, one of the shroud fuzzes that Kevin built in, a, in an enclosure. And now that I've gotten my grub overdrive, so I've been able to see two of, of Kevin's pedals in person. And the workmanship is amazing. It's really hard to tell because you're looking at these skate decks that are often scratched up and stuff like that. But he and and skate decks are not square. Level, They're not square straight. pieces of wood. They're curved, and that's the crazy part. And this is uh, the point yeah. I was trying to make too: is each one of these pieces of wood are sculpted together. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, it's crazy. He has put so much, listeners. He has put so much work into into developing these enclosures. Um, you, you hold them in your hands, and they just feel so good. He obviously sends them very, very, very carefully to preserve the art that is the used deck. And then he clear coats them. There's a nice clear coat on there. They look fantastic. It's one of the best looking pedals I've ever seen up close. It is so cool. And he makes these enclosures true, straight, level. It's amazing to, to, to do yep. that out of the least... He's probably not yeah. not going to want to listen to us prattle on like this when well, he's on we're, the, when he's yeah, on the show. When he's on the show, so we're, we're just going to just going to we're going to do it now. Fill it up now. But the, he takes these <laughs> he takes these curved laminate things that have been 
used and thrashed and he makes these beautiful enclosures and so to tell you a little bit about the grub overdrive in particular because we haven't played the shroup and we're getting a little long here but uh who cares um the grub is a very simple pedal two knobs gain and volume and i don't want a third i don't want a third knob every other overdrive i've ever had i've wanted to adjust the tone i've wanted to sculpt it i don't want that with this i i love exactly how it sounds mm -hmm. you just put the knobs at 12 o'clock it sounds perfect you can you can play with the basically just a texture a little more overdrive or a little less overdrive with the gain knob if to suit your taste and then the volume knob just helps you balance it with whatever else you got going on it's perfect it is such a great sounding overdrive and it i very found it, dynamic exactly yeah. just gonna make that point very dynamic because i mean i i play very well was i was playing very softly today just because you know trying to hear all these little dynamic elements coming very nuanced very yeah. new exactly very nuanced so i was playing quite softly and if you just if playing softly you can you can hear all these subtle nuances but if you actually want more you just play harder and, yeah, it, and it, it actually it it's like it activates a, a whole other it, stage it does. within it, within it does. the circuitry it's, it's just fantastic it's, it's really great it it it, it cleans up with you clean up it gives you more if you dig in a little harder i i fired uh, my keely katana boost which is going to be replaced in the future with a canadian version uh i turned on the keely katana boost into the grub overdrive and just cascaded that and it was just like holy crap it, it really really plays well with other boosts and plays well with others <laughs> it's well some pedals don't yeah you're right you know yeah. and this was not one of them. And I was most shocked <laughs> by the weight. I thought because, uh, you know, you, a skateboard is made out of nine plies of maple, usually. Or wood, at some cord, like some I, I think, hardwood. I think most of them are, yeah. are almost all of them are maple. Um, or really, really hard uh, Canadian maple. Like the same, like guitar level, like tone wood maple. Like it's yeah. really dense, dense heavy. Yeah. Um, but strong as heck, and it's a good choice for that. Um, but, you know, you... You would think, or I thought, that a pedal made out of the pedal enclosure made out of that would be a weighty experience. It was, it's not, uh, you know, because what you're buying is essentially a super cool pedal located inside a piece of art. That's it. Yeah. Um, you know, the primary concern was not the size of the enclosure um, or the weight. I think those were secondary to what yeah. he, what his goal was. And. I was actually very pleasantly surprised. The pedal, the, the, the grub overdrive weighed less than the overdrive pedal that I pulled off. To, to there, was a, there was actually smaller than it. Yeah. So I had this uh, Behringer, actually. Yep. The TS-800 uh, overdrive, which is a tube screamer copy, essentially, yep. uh, on there. And it uh, weighed more than the Shoneswood grub overdrive. Um. But just to, to revisit your point about how he artistically arranges the wood. Mm -hmm. um, so he, he looks at these decks and he chops them up based on what art is going on in the deck and trying to preserve that. Because he takes the viewpoint, and I think this is a cool viewpoint to take, that skateboard art, deck art, is art. And he wants to preserve as much of that as he can. So mm -hmm. he looks at the deck and goes, how can I make a pedal preserving the art and the vibe this thing has going on yeah. as much as possible? You know, some of the ones that he takes into, like, 
the, the, the top and side make a 3D representation yeah. of the artwork. It's just phenomenal. I think we're both thinking of the same one. He yeah. made a pedal enclosure. I, I don't know what the deck company was, but the deck had a little hatchback car on it. Yeah, like an like an early 80s yeah. square body <laughs> little hatchback. It's fantastically yeah. cool looking hatchback. And the most of the car is on the top of the pedal. And then the the leftmost headlight is on the side of the pedal. Yeah, because that was just how that's, the yeah. the the that's just how it worked out. And Kevin, in his infinite genius, it's my favorite part of this. this whole thing. I know this is I I was so tempted to go for that one instead of the pedal I got. It's gone. It's gone. I yeah. know. Oh, the heartbreak. Uh, he put one LED in one headlight and one LED in the other headlight, which is on the side of the pedal. Yep, and that's activate the the stomp. And it turns on the headlights of this car. It's great. He just it's does brilliant. little things like that. He's he's making one for Joe Pop, uh, another effects builder. Uh, that's this owl. I I don't know oh. the brand of the again don't know the brand of the skate deck company, but it's this really artistic looking owl, and the the eyes light up when you turn yeah. it on. He does such cool things like that, and, and so that's the goal of of Shoneswood. And the the pedal I saw at Doctor Scientist that Ryan has was a, was a shroud fuzz and it was this uh circular green and beige and oh. a darker green kind of like a boogie pattern. Man. and he arranged it so that the circle carried around the whole box properly it flowed yeah. from one side to the next it and i don't crazy. know if that was how the original art was or if he just saw it and thought i can make this and yeah. he just did it um it's it's so really cool. really cool and yeah so Check it out, Kevin Shoneswood. Shoneswood effects. Every single one is a hundred percent a completely unique piece because they are all impossible to replicate. Yeah, you can't replicate wear and tear from a twelve-year-old riding a skateboard. Right. So, yeah, check them out. Send them some love. Send them some money and get yourself a Grub Overdrive. Um. Thanks so much for uh, for listening. Um, we're gonna we're gonna say goodbyes uh, here, but yeah. Thanks, thanks for tuning in to the Culture Guitarist. Um, check us out on uh, social media: Instagram, Facebook, Instagram, Facebook. Give us a um, like. Give us a give us a share. Instagram is at Cultured Guitarist. Uh, I think our Facebook group is the Cultured Guitarist. Um, let us know what you liked, what you didn't like. Share the podcast. Help us uh, help us spread what we're doing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's how you can support us right now. Is just just help us get this thing out there. And uh, thanks very much.